why aren't you doing it? Like, why yeah. aren't you doing the damn thing? Like, eat your vegetables, work out, lift some weights. But it's so hard yeah. for people to inch a little bit forward. And yeah. I think also, too, connection, like you said, with stories. And there's plenty of times when I'm telling a story of my own like life story to a client to try to like get them to understand, like, I'm not over here. I'm actually right here next to you. And yes. what you see me do and like how I portray myself on social media, it's like, I mean, I didn't get there overnight. Like it's been a process, but I always just try to encourage people through my own story and talking about those failures or the mistakes I've made or how I used to think and why I had those results back then and how I changed it. And I think, like you said, Chris, when, when people hear those stories, it's easier for, for them to connect. And I think that's us as trainers, we have to do is we have to connect to people and make them feel like they're understood. I mean, yeah. the problem isn't special. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and tell you like, oh, like you're unique. But, you know, I think we all have stuff to kind of work through. And if that stuff isn't worked through first, making changes to your diet and training, it's like maybe that works temporarily. But could I be confident if I died today or tomorrow or? I had a move or something and we couldn't train. Could you apply what we've learned together through our time together? You yeah. Know, that's always been my mentality with, with coaching clients is I want to make sure if at any point this relationship ends, I have given you the tools to be successful as it relates to fitness, right? Yeah. And I think that's what's important is, is helping people understand how and what is, is needed and and how to perform things because if not, then it's like, you know, if we have a client who we've been working with for a couple months, let's say six months, you're with a client and then they stop training. I would say that by that point, I hope that client has enough value and information from me that I've taught them that they can now do it on their own. But the hard part is a lot of clients don't really actually retain as much Sometimes I don't know if you guys have had that experience with clients, but yeah. you know it could be six months, and then I go away on vacation. And it's like, oh damn, like I don't know what to do, you know? Oh I don't my know what god, to do when you're gone, and and it's kind of like, damn, you know, that's that's tough. You think at least an idea of like, okay, get my squat in. Okay, today I'll squat and I'll I'll do a press movement and a pull, and you know, a nice little full body movement, and you know, or or whatever. But it doesn't always work that way. That's definitely a mindset thing, right? Um, if I go out and purchase anything or if I'm purchasing some kind of service, especially in the service service industry, right? I always want to make sure if I'm going to purchase that service that eventually I can become self-sufficient and I won't need that service, right? Mm-hmm. But that takes listening, <laughs> right? Paying attention. Mm-hmm. That takes the ability to do stuff on your own, make mistakes, and then asking questions, right? Yeah. That's a mindset thing. And that's another layer of coaching, right? Is, is allowing our clients to make it an environment where it's okay to ask questions, right? But you don't need to be afraid of me, right? Like you said, I'm standing right next to you. I'm not standing over there, right, Pat? Like you said, right. and I think, and I think the more we do that, hopefully that opens them up to ask questions. Like, feel free to go ahead, ask me why I program you know, your bench and your squat on the same day, ask me and I'll tell you, right. Mm -hmm. So that you can understand someday. And, you know, when let's say I get hit by a bus or something, then you can 
potentially get yourself through a good block without me and then eventually find a new coach. I will say though, there's some factors to it where it's like some people just need the accountability. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So some people just, just need the accountability. And I, I get that. I mean, there's certain things in my life that I need accountability for and, and I want accountability for as well. You know what I mean? It's like as simple as having, you know, I pay every month to have a coach who programs my workouts because I see the value in that. And I want to have that accountability of knowing that, okay, cool. I have this workout to get done. I mean, I don't need accountability to actually work out. But yeah. having that extra like, okay, cool. I know that today's going to be a, a rough workout. At least I know I got yeah. my coach. I can message him and be like, yo, why are you out of your mind? Why are you making me do 25 you know, reps of stability ball, hamstring curls? What are you Ugh. freaking smoking crack, man? No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, I think there's like a fine line there. There's a fine line yeah. between like needing accountability and then really digesting the information and really understanding how to approach health and wellness. Yeah. And- you know, I always hear it from different podcasts I listen to where I hear these experienced trainers talk about, and this, I'm like, like I said, I, this is just from a variety of different coaches in the industry where, you know, our job obviously is to get them results first and foremost. That's why they pay us. But at the same time, right, it's kind of like they could care less about how we do it, right? They just want the end result. And I think it goes back to that mentality where you're so focused on the end destination, the end goal, maybe that's the problem. And yeah. maybe that's a problem was just overall as a society that you know we're so focused on the outcome, the end goal. Like I was telling you guys a couple of weeks ago, like, like I want to make more money in my business. Okay. But I can't stop and appreciate what I already have. Like I'm yeah. working at one of the, I'm I'm working at one of the better, if not the best gym in Southern California for independent personal trainers. I mean, there's a lot of independent gyms out there, like boutique gyms. But I would say if you were trying to build a business as a personal trainer now, self-made training facility is the best, you know, hands down. Just because of the resources and the brand and everything it provides us as trainers and more, like mentorship, the people that run it, right? They're very good people, they're smart. But at the end of the day, right, I think it's taking time to understand like if you want to get results, maybe you really shouldn't even focus on results. And that's probably what causes you a lot of anxiety and stress because you're stressing about, my God, I didn't lose five pounds. I haven't lost a pound in like two months. But it's like your body recomposition, like you're building muscle and losing fat. Like they see the changes, but they're so in their own head as far as not seeing the scale go down or, someone who's trying to get stronger and wants to improve their squat. It's like, man, like I'm just stuck at 315. I I cannot get over that hump, right? It's just like, there's something internally, there's something going on, right? And obviously it's all context and based on the individual. And there's a lot of factors that go into it. But I think, I think us as an industry, us as trainers, when we're speaking on social media or we're, you know, we're, we're communicating certain information I think we also have to just understand that even though people want the results and we want the instant gratification, we still have to respect the fact that this whole thing that we do, it's, it's a life 
process. Like if you're in it for the changes, for the results, maybe it'll suit you for a short period of time, but it's not if you're just going to treat it as like something you're going to do for like a couple months or or a year. Because that's a lot of people's mentality. So it's like, how do we go about changing that narrative, changing that mindset at a society level where people who come to us, they're not coming to us just to lose weight. They're coming to us because they see a professional who obviously embodies certain characteristics that they want. Like people train with you, Chris, because they see your strength and they want that strength for themselves. So they go to you because you can show them the path. And their path might be obviously is going to be totally different. But at the end of the day, right, they go to you because you represent strength, you represent power. And not only just from the physical sense, but how you are as a person and how you are with your wife, your kids, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they train with you at your home. So they obviously see your interactions. And so it's the people at the end of the day of like who we are as trainers, we, I think, have even more of a duty to kind of continuously working on ourselves to, you know, show people like, hey, this fitness game, it's just one small part of the whole life pie. Yeah. And if you think that it's going to end there, you can forget trying to get committed to these sort of results because at some point you're going to burn out and you can be super passionate about it, but you still will burn out. So, I mean, that's just something that I kind of learned and I kind of wanted to see your guys' thoughts on how you guys focus on your own personal growth and like what you like to read, what you like to focus on, what are some things you're kind of working on right now in your own journey? Where to start? I mean, would you say like with your question, Pat, are you asking like, you know, what am I doing besides like just exercise? Like what, what things do I do yeah. in my daily life? I mean, just like, let's take fitness out of the equation and like exercise. Cause obviously we already do that. So yeah. it's like, what other things do you do that help you grow as, like I said, as a person? So a couple of things. One thing I would say working because I am very like passionate about holistic health and in the sense of like, you know, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual. So to start emotionally, two big things that that I do is like I work with a therapist weekly. So I see a therapist weekly, which has been super, super impactful on my emotional health and, and working through different traumas and different, you know, emotional baggage that's just been kind of lingering for a long time. That is a lot of fun and also can be very challenging too, especially like digging deeper into areas that like I've avoided for so long that the ego has almost like created a cast over, you know, like Mm. emotions that I've just hidden for so long or pushed down and things as simple as like me kind of being fearful of my father, things like that, that I didn't even really like wasn't even conscious of before until we started digging deeper into like a certain, maybe there's a certain emotion that like, you know, like I'm a people pleaser. Okay, cool. Let's get, rather than just being like, oh, okay, well, this is what you do to not be a people pleaser. It's like, no, let's actually go to the root cause of that and figure out what that stems from. And let's work through those emotions. So then, okay, let's re feel and rework through those emotions so that now I can move forward in a way that's more conscious around those things. And it's not like, oh, I, I'm not a people pleaser anymore. I don't want to be a people pleaser. It's more like being more mindful and aware of when those situations come up and like, ah, there's that people pleaser in me that wants to, you know, if I'm around my dad, I want to like get nervous and things like that. And um, so anyway, 
that's kind of going down a whole other way, but working with the therapist is super impactful. The other thing too, is working on my relationship with Ashley and being more vulnerable, being more open and honest about my feelings and my emotions, because that's challenging. And I'd never realized how challenging it was until I actually started acknowledging the areas where I'm maybe I'm holding back. I'm not being honest about how I'm feeling in a certain situation or something like that. So, you know, that's kind of the emotional side of things. Mental is having different goals outside of the gym. So like I have a goal that I study 15 minutes every day. I journal for two minutes every day. I read a page out of that book, becoming a supernatural human. I forget that the human next 365. Level human? Yeah, next level, yeah. Next level human by Dr. Jade Tate. That's his name, right? Jade Tate. Yeah, I believe. So I read a page out of that. Also, I listen to audiobooks every single day. So these are kind of like the little tiny things that I add to my mental capacity is like getting better at what I do and, and having these other habits besides just exercise that kind of sharpen my sword as you were. That's a good little way to put it, Pat. You said earlier, sharpening the sword. And then spiritually is just diving deeper into books around spirituality and, and working through things like the shadow and the ego, meditating daily is something I do. So at least 10 minutes a day, I take time, I put everything away, I sit down, I work on breathing, working on sometimes I listen to something, sometimes I just go outside and sit on a rock. Sometimes like today, I just sat in my car when I was leaving the gym. And you know, some days it's like, like today, my meditation kind of sucked. Like my mind was just kind of spinning. Yesterday, I probably had one of the biggest breakthroughs in meditation I've ever had. And I went 20 minutes and I had no music. And I was able to just kind of work through the thoughts that were coming up. I was able to just let them go rather than attaching myself to the thoughts that were coming up, which is so it's like, oh, damn, okay, this practice is starting to work where I'm, I'm working on being with myself, being in silence, listening to what my body's saying, you know, also working too on like affirmations and things like that while I'm meditating. So that's kind of the bulk. And then of course, the physical side is like exercising and stuff. So, you know, like those that. are, that's kind of my like stockpile of, of what I do on a regular basis to, to help sharpen my, my tools. Yeah, no, those are good. I like how Paul Check kind of has it where he sees life from that holistic point of view where yes, you have the training and the nutrition and the recovery, but then it's like, okay, well, what about the emotional side? Yeah. You know, cause like we're human beings, dude, you know, we're emotional creatures, you yeah. know? So it's like, if you don't get a handle on those things and know how to how to manage your emotions, especially in certain situations, like you're talking to your kid. It's like, you know, what if she does something bad? Like, how are you going to respond? You know, your, your response could totally alter how she, you know, looks at you going further. You know, if you yell at her or, you know, you got to be able world, to looks at her. Yeah, exactly. Looks at herself, yeah. looks at the world, looks at yeah. every situation around her. You know, it's like, yeah, totally. And like you said, yeah, Paul check has a system, the four doctors, I don't know if I've talked about it before, but it's Dr. Happy, Dr. Diet, Dr. Quiet, and Dr. Movement. So basically, like the whole idea and the principle behind it is a four different quadrants. And you basically like Dr. Quiet is like me time, rest, meditation, working in, movement, of course, is exercise, working out, diet, of course, nutrition. And then Dr. Happy is like, what do you enjoy to do? Like, you ever ask someone a question like, hey, what do you like to do? And they're like, oh, shit. Like, I actually don't know. It's like you know, having that happy, that happiness. Like for me, that's playing basketball, that's skateboarding, that's reading, that's running. I mean, running's kind of in with exercise, but like to me, 
Those are things I love being in nature. I love going on walks. I love being playing with, you know, Frisbee, things like that. Like those are things that just like make me happy. Like I'm just having fun playing, being a kid. Cause it's like, we all need that, man. Like a lot of us, a lot of people in the world forget about that piece of us and lose that like spontaneity and stuff of like having fun and doing things that make us happy. Cause like, Oh, got to pay the bills, got a family, got this, got that. It's like, I'm sure Chris can relate. I, I mean, like for me, it's like, when we first got pregnant, I was like, oh, my life's over. Like we're having a baby. Oh, everything's going to change. Dude, having a baby just enhanced my life, like presented new challenges, but just enhanced my life to a whole nother level of like, this is so much more fun now. You know, now I get to be more creative with my time and figure out when, oh, when do I get my time to do this or do that? And, you know, now I get to be re-brought to that little kid again and, and seeing what makes Everly happy and what she gets excited about. Like, we were laying outside the other day. I had all her toys out there. We we're laying on a blanket. She didn't give a shit about the toys. She was playing with the sticks and the rocks and like playing in the dirt. And I was like, this is awesome. You know what I mean? Like we're just laying on the ground, playing in the dirt, having fun. It's like, I felt like I feel like that little kid comes back out inside of me. And it's like doing those things on a daily basis is also super important to me as well for just all around well being. So I like it. That's beautiful. That's beautifully said. For me, there's the physical stuff that we do that plays a role in my life. And then there's the mental and spiritual. Mental and spiritual kind of go hand in hand for me. Growing up, I grew up Catholic. So that was my spiritual. But then that that kind of changed. Well, it, it did change. So for me, it's not as concrete. I do read. I do have books that I reference and all that stuff. But I'm more of an explorer. I like to explore and I like to explore my mind. So the question becomes, how do you do that? So meditation and journaling, two of the biggest places that I can do that. Those are my play spaces. So when I sit and I meditate, I have this vision of my mind being a garden. And once I settle into the meditation, so like the beginning of my meditation is me getting to the garden. So I'll go through like my breathing exercises and all that. And then eventually, once I'm concentrated and once I'm settled, I walk into my garden and I look around and I see what's there. Sometimes there are weeds that grow in the garden. Sometimes there are some really beautiful flowers, beautiful trees, all sorts of you know animals and all that stuff running around. But what I do pay close attention to are the weeds, right? Because I want to ensure that my garden stays as beautiful and as pristine as I possibly can keep it. And so the weeds for me are equivalent to behaviors that can lead me down some unskillful paths. So for example, not doing a workout or something like that because because I don't feel like oh, I'm being lazy, right? I think that's one of the biggest ones. That stems from something. And that would be, for me, that would be considered a weed. And the bigger the weed gets, the more it's going to kind of take over your garden. So I got to make sure I go in and pull it out. And when I do pull it out, I go to where it's stemming from. So since this is a performance podcast, I want to make sure I preface this the right way. So as I was training in this block, I'm also cutting, right? So the problem with cutting and trying to lift, right? And you guys know if you're cutting, you can't go as heavy as you usually would if you like on a maintenance or or on a mass. And so what was happening to me is I was doing really well to a certain point. Now I'm like halfway through. I've lost about eight pounds. And I think I'm going to be able to lose a little bit more. So I'll be down to like two in the two sixties pretty soon, which is awesome. But what was happening to me is the strength was kind of coming down 
And so I didn't realize this, but my ego was playing a lot into what was happening. Right. Mm. And through my meditation, I could tell because days before my lifts, like whenever I would go in, there would be a heightened anxiety that would come over me and I wouldn't pay it any attention. And then finally I got to a point where the rubber hit the road and I think I benched like 415 for like three reps. And I wasn't happy about that. And I had to stop myself right there. And I was stop like, the I workout? stop myself, period. Oh, okay. I had to stop because like that moment of reflection. Yes. Right. I took a moment of reflection and I was like, okay, something's going on here, but I continued with the workout. But that night when I did my meditation, these things came up again. And I started contemplating getting back on PEDs. Wow. You you see how beautifully that works? Holy fuck. That's great. So you're, so because you were cutting, just, I don't want to kind of just summarize this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. So through this block, you're cutting, right? Obviously, you're not going to be lifting as heavier. You're benching 415 for three reps. Yeah, yeah. So normally, I probably would, I probably would have been able to get that eight times. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Continue. Right. So now and later that day during my meditation, I allowed. So when I went into my garden, I see these weeds, I see these things growing. And now I start investigating. And now my ego is speaking to me. And it's like, let's do this. Right. Let's get back to let's get back to where we need to be, baby. Like it's, it's strong. It's heavy. And so I start pulling the weeds, right? I'm like, yeah, I hear you. I got you. And then, so that next morning, that next day, me and Paula, we go out for a walk and I speak the words into the universe. I put the words into the universe. I said, I feel like I want to go back on PEDs. And just because I was able to do that, it kind of lifted me. It was like an uplifting that I no longer felt that heaviness that I was feeling. And I was wondering, I was constantly wondering why was I feeling like this? I thought it was because of the cut, but it wasn't. My ego was riding along with me that whole time as I was working through the block. So there aren't any books that would have helped me with that, right? But now I think if I go back to a book and I read, this is how my brain works, guys. (laughs) And I go back to a book and I read, I can associate that experience with what whomever is the author is trying to teach me. Yeah. No, I'm the same way. And most of the time I'm just reading the words, yeah. are just processing. Right. right? I'm yeah. not that bright to be able to take a random experience and tie it to something. I have to live it. And it was just such a perfect example of just mindfulness. Right. So I am on a daily basis. I am constantly, as you say, sharpening the sword or finding the dull points Maybe it's not at the tip, but maybe it's somewhere within the sword where there are dull points. Mm -hmm. Or if we go back to my garden analogy, where the weeds are growing and going in there and doing the work to pull those weeds out and to ensure that and just know that although I pulled the weed out, guess what? It can come back. Mm -hmm. Right. And so to also be mindful of that. So my meditation practice is my bread and butter. It's my core. Without my meditation practice, I can't hear, I can't see, I can't smell, I, I can't do what I'm doing now. And that's just pure internal work. So whether it's five minutes or sometimes they're 40 minutes, sometimes they're an hour, whatever is happening at that point in time, I sit through it and I allow it to happen. As far as spirituality goes, there's a Sanskrit term, it's aham, aham brahmasmi, right? And it means 
I am God, I am the universe. There's tons of meaning, but what it comes down to, what the meaning that relates to me is the I am the universe. I am a part of the universe. And with my background in Catholicism and God and this whole hierarchy, for me, it's no longer a hierarchy. It's just a vast ocean. And I am part of that vast ocean. I am a piece of that vast ocean. And with me being a piece of that vast ocean, it makes the ocean that much more powerful because I am part of that. Right. So my higher power becomes me because I have an ultimate being that drives me, that allows me to do great things. That's where I believe when I am able to accomplish great things, when I am able to be compassionate, when I am able to see something like that dude, Gavin, whatever his name was, Chauvin, whatever his name was, that went to prison for what he did and still have compassion for him. And I never in a million years thought I could ever have compassion for someone like that. And I had a conversation with someone and I said, you know, I hope that man gets well. In the past, I would say, I hope they they take him in prison and they do what they will with him. Because for me, with the compassion that comes from me is seeing someone, knowing that they're hurt, knowing that they're, something is going on with them for them to do something like that. And for me to open up my heart and say, I hope he gets well because he isn't well. And to me, that's, that's, that's beautiful to be able to do that. That's beautiful. And I mean it. Yeah. But that that takes the work for me. That takes the internal work that I do for me to be able to to find to find the human in people. And not all people are just robots and not all people are just what we call evil. Right. I don't believe anyone's evil. I just believe that people somewhere along the line, they've made some terrible mistakes. That's what that's what my work leads me to. <laughs> Wow. Well, you know, I think that's the beauty in this whole journey. And that's something that I really took, made my intention when we went to Sedona was, you know, I, I didn't have internet. So, you know, I can't, you know, be on social media looking at what other people are doing. I could only just focus on being present, you know, enjoying the time I have, you know, with Courtney and, you know, hiking and the nature, the scenery, and just kind of soaking it all in. And, you mm-hmm. know, I was writing my journal and, like you, Chris, right? I mean, journaling is, for me, it can be meditative because I can get these words onto paper. And when I look at the words, they're not so scary. They almost seem yeah. foolish. They the, say boogeyman, really, the boogeyman ain't that bad, is he? <laughs> no. And, and so I was writing my journal, you know, just kind of like these thoughts and these things I was saying to myself about how, like, I'm not a I'm not a, a good trainer or I could be better and stuff. And to kind of give it some context too, I actually got a therapist last week too. Congrats, it was, bro. Dude, honestly, I don't know why this isn't like normal for a lot of people. Like this should be like, honestly, it everyone, was so... Everyone should have a shrink. <laughs> yeah, fuck dude. I was just like, I was talking to him and I was telling him the situation, the problem why I got therapy was just like, I always feel like I'm not enough. Like I need to do more. And it's like we were talking about like, well, who are you trying to prove? And I'm like, I'm not really trying to prove anything to anyone, but I think I've just never given myself any credit for the things that I've done. And because of that, it forces me to just work, 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 grind, 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 and push myself to learn more and do more, right? But never be happy with the journey, the process, and understand that Building a business takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. To be a leader in any industry, it takes time. So 
it was a lack of impatience. And I think just a lack of giving myself that credit. And I wrote it down in my journal and I was just kind of like laughing about it because it was so silly when I wrote it down and I read it. I'm like, really? Like, that's it? Come on, man. Like, and then I did the, come on, man. Like you've done so much like in your life, like you, you shouldn't feel like, I mean, continue to do more, strive for more, but acknowledge the things that you've accomplished, acknowledge the milestones, if you will, not only just in like fitness, but just your life overall and the things that I've had to overcome. One story that I'll kind of share with you guys in college, I did an internship. The company was called College Works Painting. So it was basically an internship where it taught students how to run their own business, you know, entrepreneurship. Basically during the spring semester, we would go in door to door, do door to door sales and basically try to generate our business that way on the weekends. And then during the summer, you would actually be on the job managing painters, managing, being a project manager, so to speak, like a contractor. And obviously, you know, you're thinking painting, all right, like that's pretty odd, but it was such an experience of adversity and persistence. And at that time, I was very entrenched with affirmations, journaling, like more so than I have been recently. And if I wasn't doing all these practices, like, you know, journaling and practicing my affirmations and meditating and trying to be clear on what it is that I wanted, I wouldn't have completed the internship. The internship completion rate was like 5% because so many kids want to do it and the idea yeah. is cool, but they end up quitting because it just gets too hard. They can't yeah. manage it with their schoolwork. And so for a lot of kids, it, it's just really hard. And I just, like I said, after that internship, I remember feeling this sense of like, this was the hardest thing I think I would ever do in my life. Because up until that point, I mean, right, I was only like 20, 21, maybe. So I mean, I still haven't experienced all life, but I could say up until that point, that was the hardest. And going through that process, I realized, you know what, the mindset and when you actually work on it, and you're doing the things you're going to actually be so much more better off in what the work that you're doing because you're not... I wasn't so focused on the end result. I wasn't focused on making money. I was just focused on the day-to-day journey, getting better, waking up, doing the same thing. It was enjoyable to me. You know, I work out after I did my my work, you know, I get home, make food and then go to bed and repeat. And time at that point was just so much easier for me to like I said to continue just acknowledge the things that I was accomplishing on the daily basis. Like, oh yeah, like I got two leads. Oh, sweet, like I I booked a consultation. Like I I remember just kind of patting myself on the back every week because I was doing things that was I was getting closer to my goal, but like I was just taking the action. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think when people say, like, oh, like, you know, like, you know, I need to feel the motivation or I need to, I need to wait for this perfect time. And it's like, that's <laughs> never going to happen. You know, wait for your whole life, player. <laughs> yeah. And it's unfortunate because they see people like us, you know, us as coaches or, you know, showcasing our workouts or whatever. And it's just like, man, I just want to, I want to be at that point. But it's like, nah, like, You got to start. It takes work. It's a step-by-step process. But to wrap up my story, I realized, like I said, it's the things that I was doing back then that I've neglected the last couple of years. And now that I'm starting to just reintroduce them, I can already feel this, like that renewed sense of like passion or like just like desire to want to do the best I can and not just 
skate on by and just try to get by and, you know, that sort of thing. But I think people need to understand like that's, it's a lot of work, internal work to get to a certain point and understand it's going to take time, but, but enjoy it, you know, and enjoy the process and, and enjoy it. At least you are doing something about it. You're taking yeah. some action rather than nothing. Yeah. You know, and I think what's important too, like along with like enjoying the process, is understanding that the process is just being present, being present in everyday life. It's almost like if we're so focused on the end result, like, oh, when I get to this point, then I'm going to be happy, or once I get this thing, I'll be happy. It's never actually going to bring true happiness because true happiness actually comes from the present moment. You know what yep. I mean? Don't, I'm not. I'm not a master in that at all. That's something that I'm. I continue to work on every single day. But that work gets amplified by continuing those practices, those mindfulness practices, and and then you know all these different things that all three of us have kind of accumulated. Like we're talking about what we do on a regular basis. It's like all those things combined together help amplify that to to understand and start to embody like being present and rather than being like, Oh, once I get to this point, then I'll be good. Because then it's like, no, because then the ego is just going to want something else. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Like, so I think that's what's super important. And I think too, I, I don't know if you guys can agree with this, but when we're working with clients and stuff and there are people who are like, Oh, like I look at people too, people that I admire and I look up to mentors. It's like, oh man, I want to be on that level. But it's like, or I shouldn't say level, but where people are in their life, right? like that takes time, whatever it is, like whether they're at whatever kind of successes, I guess you could call it, that all takes time. And that's accumulation of practice and discipline and commitment and, and sticking to it and doing the shit that, you know, whether or not you feel like it or not, you know what I mean? Like sometimes meditation, it's not like every day I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to go just float around and meditate. And like, this is what I do. So, sometimes it's like, oh, damn. What are you taking? I have, yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. I have, it's like, damn, I haven't taken my time to just like disconnect and breathe today. But it's like, oh, I don't want to do it. But it's like doing it anyway because yeah, that's yeah. part of the practice. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's just like working out. Do it, do it anyway. Eat good. Do it anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like there's a video and I posted it a couple of weeks ago. It's this guy. I'm going to send it to you too. I think you guys would really enjoy it. I'll look it up real quick and say the name of it before the end of the podcast. So the listeners too can, can check it out. But it's this guy, Art. It's a speech from the 80s. And he's saying like, what do successful people... Oh, it's called Just Do It by Art Williams. And he's basically just saying like, what do winners do? It's like, you just do it. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, but I have to like... I want to buy a house and the market's really bad. It's like, we'll just do it anyway. You know, buy a house. You know what I mean? Do whatever it takes. It's like, it's the same thing. I feel like it's the same thing for like physical health, mental, emotional, spiritual. It's like, just do it. You know, we have Mm -hmm. to make the steps in the right direction if we want to get somewhere, you know? Yeah, there is no perfect time. It's just the market can be telling you one thing. We'll use the market as an example. Don't let that be the excuse why you don't. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Because you may come out of it a winner. How many people do you know that did something that was that went against the grain and look at where they are now, right? That's the beauty of life, right? You just you basically live on life's terms. So whatever life has to has to give you, you, you take it and you kind of run with it. And goals, you know, they're good to have, but we still have to live every single day. Yeah, yeah totally. I think goals can be almost kind of bullshit. Because you kind of can talk about what it is you're going to do and still get like a dopamine hit for like saying like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. And like your brain actually thinks like you just did it. 
So you're like, all right, like I'm about to work out. I bought clothes. Like I'm going to do this. So it's just like, nah, nah like, <laughs> like I'm going to snooze or, you know, yeah, oh, yeah. like, you know, traffic's going to be busy. Like you make excuses. Like you actually have to take the action and not just set goals. I mean, goals are, goals are good. I mean, it, it kind of points you in some trajectory of where you want to go, but life isn't perfect. So assuming that just because your goal says you want to go this way, doesn't mean that it's going to be this linear straight line yeah. to it. You know, okay. there's going to be a lot of adversities and challenges that is going to make it just make it harder for you to make the right choice. So it's like when you face adversity or when it's, when you're in a situation where maybe it's not the best to make certain changes, I mean, do what you can and don't compare yourself to other people. Cause I think that's something I mean, like I said, I was working with my therapist with just uh, comparison. And it's interesting too. He actually was saying, he was just like, so what's the root cause of that? I'm just kind of paraphrasing. He didn't say it like that. But I was saying like, honestly, it was growing up, my dad would actually compare me to like my cousins who were doing better in school. I remember I yelled at him for like, like, why do you always compare me to like, to, to them? Like, it's like, I'm completely different. And I just remember something like that. But yeah, I, I think like that in itself, my therapist was kind of saying like, you know, like sometimes I think like fathers want their sons to be a better version of them. And so they try to motivate their sons to kind of like do more and be better. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think sometimes they can go about how they communicate it. They go about it the wrong way. And I was just like, that makes sense. But yeah, it's just one of those things where I think when you realize, oh shit, this is why I keep making excuses. This is the reason why, like, you know, you get to the root cause, you know, that root of that weed and, you know, you're more likely to figure out, okay, if this is what's happened in my life, I can't stop it. It already happened. Accept it. But like move on, you know, and and let yourself kind of go, let that thought go. Don't let it make you who you are because that's not who you are. Yeah. And just continue moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I think what happens is we we try to fight. We try to beat it, whatever that feeling or emotion is, where in all actuality, we're built to sit in it and be with it and allow it to run its natural Mm -hmm. course throughout our minds, our spirit, and our body. And eventually it comes out the other end. And then when it comes out, we're back to neutral. And that's something that I've learned. I have to allow it to sit, be with it. If I have to work out with it, I work out with it. And then eventually it leaves. That's how thoughts are, man. The more I fight it, the more I try to compartmentalize it, the more I try to go against it, I've already attached myself to that. And now I'm going to ride it forever Mm -hmm. until it starts bleeding into my life. And everything about that certain thought is my life, right? And then that's that brings on suffering that then you start hurting people and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. It's like reminds me that quote, what we resist will persist. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. You know, so it's good stuff. Yeah, buddy. It's a journey. Good. This life thing, man, I'm telling you, it's uh, one day when we transition, the answers will all be there. Yeah. I, tru- I truly believe that. Definitely. So we just got to do our job while we're here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do our job for the generations to come. Correct. That's like a, a big piece of, I feel like my purpose, especially after having a daughter is like break the, the patterns from generations 
thousands of years of generations of our families of uh, whatever it is, emotional, mental pain and habits that don't serve in a positive way. It becomes part of your DNA, man, your ancestral stuff, right? It becomes part of you. And if it's very important that me personally, I go back and I figure out why grandma was how grandma was. Maybe grandma had a mental illness, <laughs> right? Maybe the uncle, he had a mental illness and so on and so forth, right? If I don't figure out my past, right, it's hard for me to figure out who I am. And sometimes it is scary to ask those questions and, and go back and see why things are the way they are. Yeah. But it, it tells me a lot about myself. And then that gives me the power to make the necessary updates or upgrades to my DNA because we do have that ability to, right. to, um, we do. to do. Isn't that, isn't that power? I was going to mention that is that like, we literally have the power and this is what Dr. Joe Dispenza and Dr. Bruce Lipton and a lot of other guys are all about is like, we literally have the power to change our DNA yep. based off of our minds and yep. Yeah, just rewi- literally rewiring our subconscious and our yeah. and our brain waves and all, all types of crazy gamma waves and, I, yeah. and stuff that's still a little over my head, but you know that's kind of the basis of it. So, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, what it comes down to is is just restructuring things, reshifting things. And when we look at our children, right? And Pat, you'll see this when you have children. You're going to start seeing those things come up. Yeah, and the question is going to become, how do you handle that? Right. It's said that our leadership, children, our children are our biggest spiritual teachers. Yeah. So, so yeah. How do, how do we handle that? Right. It's important not to resist it. Right. Not to fight it. Right. That's, good. But it's, That's a good advice. It's a teaching moment. Teaching moment. Yeah. It's a time. It's a time for me to tell a story. Daddy did the same thing. Let me, <laughs> let me tell you a story. Come on, sit sit (laughs) on my lap. Let me tell you a story. (laughs) You know, they're teaching moments. They're not moments to scold and yell and do all sorts of crazy stuff. That's going to scare the child. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I experienced growing up. And not to say, I mean, my dad is a very loving, incredible human, but, you know, definitely like, it seems like the way that he knew how to communicate was like through anger and like, Mm -hmm. you know, I personally would would like to take a different approach. Yeah, that creates trauma. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. So, um, yeah. Life, <laughs> man. Life. 